But otherwise, the rest of us will be continuing in Ephesians 5 and uh, looking at the passage today. Now, Paul. Paul has been lately giving us lots of commandments. We're in that section of the book of Ephesians uh, that is building off the chapters 1 through 3, all of those truths, all the beautiful passages about who we are in Christ and his love for us, the grace that he's lavished upon us. And he's then moving us towards, okay, how do we live now? How do we walk? What does it look like to, to bear those truths out? And so far, it's been pretty general. And we're moving now to specifics. Not just to the church in general, not to every believer, but now we're talking uh, of the household of faith. Particularly today, we are talking of wives and husbands in Christian marriage. All right. For those of you who are not married, you still have to listen. Uh, And you should listen because uh, you are witnesses to marriage. There are a lot of married people here. You're going to encounter marriages, and these marriages are not... Uh, just functioning in themselves. No, they are bearing witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you look at married couples, you should be seeing the gospel of Jesus. You should be seeing the love of Christ and submission of the church. That every single couple is, is telling the story of the gospel. And kids, you should be seeing it in your parents' Single people, you should be seeing it and being reminded of your marriage to Jesus Christ as the bride to the bridegroom. And so we want to bear that out so that you may witness and and see the gospel at play. Now, for those of you who are married, I'm here to remind you of the role that you play within that marriage. Of the, the part that you play that you might put the gospel on display. Wives. You might be a picture of the church in joyful submission. Husbands, that you might be a proclamation of the love of Christ that we just prayed about. That marriages might be a proclamation of the gospel. And so with that, uh, we're going to talk about three things today. We're going to talk about submission as a larger biblical category. I know that this is difficult. Uh, It's not something we're used to talking about. And... If it comes out of nowhere and suddenly it feels like this burden upon wives, uh, we want to make sure that it, it has its proper place. Uh, we're going to talk about the role of wives as in submission and their call to submit to, uh, to their husbands. And finally, the role of husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. All this so that we might proclaim the gospel of Jesus in everything that we do. Good? Ready? All right. Let's turn to Ephesians 5. Uh, verses 22 through 33. Uh, It'll be behind me. Let's read. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy, without blemish. 
In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does, church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Father, you are glorious in all things, and the call of marriage is high and lofty and far above us. And we ask that we might first understand it, but beyond understanding that we might live it out. That the marriages in our church would be characterized by such love and submission that the gospel would be on full display in, in every single one of these relationships. Holy Spirit, would you fill us up? Would you teach us? Would you guide us? Would you shape our hearts? Would you help us to see the truth in all of its beauty? That commandments would be received joyfully, that roles would be seen in their honor and in the, the value that they have in your eyes. And Father, that we may be uh, practically moved towards greater love and submission. As appropriate, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we are beginning with uh, generals, the subject of submission. Now, submission can be a difficult subject, especially in our own culture where it's, it's fraught with difficulty. And under the, the guise of submission, uh, truly ugly things can happen. Things that uh, should not be part of uh, this idea, but submission can be misunderstood, misconstrued. Submission can turn into abuse or belittling or domineering or unjust rule. And I hope that we can get a better category for submission as a whole that we might apply it to marriage in a, in a beautiful and, and winsome and, and good way. So, we start, uh, and often uh, Ephesians kind of leads us to this, is that we start with Ephesians 5.21, which says that as believers all come together, they are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. All right, so there's this blanket call that submission is, is largely the relationship of believers to believers. All right. But, but, we are moving then from this general call of submission of one to one, one to another to special categories. To special categories of submission that, uh, that don't balance out. Where one is head and one is subject. And of course, we start with that most important of relationships that we are to submit ourselves to God. James 4, 7, submit yourselves to God. All of us are in submission to God who is Lord and who is head. Christ, the head of the church. We are under his rule. We are under his guidance and his leadership. And now from that, 
we have kind of branches, right? All of these, everyone is under submission to God. And then there are other special relationships like the government. Romans 13.1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. All right, so everyone is under God, and then we are under the governing authorities that are in place, the laws that they create, and uh, are responsible to honor and respect and submit ourselves to them. Now, kind of a, a parallel institution would be the church, that we submit to the leadership of the church, Hebrews 13, 7, uh, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So as part of the church, you are in submission to the elders, to the pastors. There's a real responsibility there. The relationship in 1 Peter 2 of the servants and the master. We'll talk more about this in two weeks, but uh, 1 Peter 2, 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Notice that it's this relationship. It's not characteristic of the goodness of either party. It's just that is the relationship. And in the family, 1 Peter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see respectful and pure conduct. Also within the family, then, Ephesians 5, 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. All right. These are those special relationships. Children, you're going to hear about your, your special relationship next week. And I just want us to see that right, these relationships, they are not reciprocal. So we submit to God. God then does not submit to us. Parents, or children submit to their parents. It doesn't go both ways. That because of the roles that we're given... There's a, there's a real difference here, a difference in roles, a difference of submission and subjection and headship. And so Ephesians 5.21, when it talks about those general things, among equals, not in those special relationships, there's mutual submission. So in, when we meet as the elders, we submit to one another in Christ. We don't, we don't fight for our way, and if, if part of the group wants to go this way and they decide, then... The others, they, they submit to the brethren and they support them and are wholeheartedly in agreement. There's mutual submission. All right, that's what we're talking about. And so as you deal with other believers who are in the same position as you are, then there's mutual submission and we don't assert our authority and we submit to one another. Now, why do I need to say that? I need to say that because we cannot wash out the call to wives by saying that this is just a blanket statement and everyone submits to everyone else. That's not what this is saying. We cannot say that and be true to Scripture. All right. Now, the next question comes the question of value. Is the one who is the head more valuable than the one who is subject? That is often how this is, this is debated within the heart and within the mind, and it's... It rises up, and it challenges us. So, 
how do we, how do we address this? All right. Uh, I start by thinking of my children. All right. Am I more valuable than my children because I'm head over them? I wouldn't think so. Uh, all right, so this last uh, couple weeks ago, uh, we were at, at Unicorn Fest. All right. It was a Saturday, and we were at Unicorn Fest, a celebration of unicorns, magic, pirates, and mermaids. All right. All right, we're sit- standing in line at the face painting station so that we can get fi- uh, Spider-Man face paint. All right. An hour into waiting, Casey and I look at each other. All right, are we more valuable than our children? No, if anything, they're more valuable than us at that moment. All right, it, it's not about value, it's about roles. And yeah, we are, we're the heads. And yet, as the heads, we, we led all of ourselves to be at Unicorn Fest. And that's how we spent our Saturday. And that's just how it was. And they submitted to that, not because of they, they lacked value, but because we were helping them to, we were showing them the value that they have in our, in our hearts and in our minds and in reality. And my hope is that we can recognize that, that roles do not build us up in value or tear us down. And that as, and we all walk in different roles related to these things. All of us must submit to, to some things. All of us are in submission to God. All of us are in submission to the government. Uh, that's just the reality. And some are subject to more and some are subject to less. Our value does not go up and down depending on our headship or our submission. It's just how we manifest the roles that are given to us to the glory of God. And we already said, verses 1 through 3, like you are, you are in Christ. If you put your faith in him, you are children you are adopted. You are priest kings. You are stones in the heavenly temple. You are the nation of God. You are the object of God's affection. Like, no role changes those realities. It's merely how we express those realities in the different roles that we're given. I hope, I hope that we don't see this as an insult to who we are, but as a, a joyful thing to be received. All right, next. How do you disagree in the midst of these submission relationships? I think you are allowed to disagree. You are allowed to not be okay with things. You're allowed to, to not even, to, to push back against the things that are being asked of you. But we do that in a way that doesn't undermine the relationship, but that recognizes it. There's a way to disagree that honors someone who is his head, that recognizes it, and actually brings out submission. And so, okay, so what, I, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of, uh, all right, so my son, if I say, it's time to brush your teeth, all right, he could ask, he could say, you know what, Dad, I have five minutes more until my Lego thing is done. Can I, can I wait until I'm done? All right. There's a big difference from that versus, 
no, I'm doing Legos. All right, one recognizes submission, and one is, is in rebellion and, and dishonoring and is putting himself above me. All right. So we can engage with those above us by asking real questions, by recognizing that they have final authority and asking for permission or seeking them out, seeking to understand. Submission should not silence you, but it should guide how you interact. And even more than that, uh, remember how I talked about those levels? God, government, the church, the family, right? If you are in submission to an authority that is committing evil, that is abusive, that is misusing their power, what do you do? You go to higher authorities. You go to higher authorities. And you submit to the higher authority, and you might even bring that to the higher authority. All right, so if, if the government all issued an edict that we are to worship idols, what we'd say? We'd say no. Not because we, we will not submit to the government, but because, no, we, are, we will submit to God. And he has higher authority. Now, why do I say it in the context of husbands and wives? All right, every husband is a member of this church is subject to the ruling authorities here, to the elders and to, to the pastors. And wives, if power is being misused, then it ought to be brought to these higher authorities. We want to make sure that power is being used well as Christ intended it. And that is not, that is not usurping authority. That is not undermining authority. That is not your refusal to submit. No, that's submitting to the authorities above that are in place for a reason. All right, do we understand? All right. If you need to do that, please do that. Please contact us. All right, this is real. Um, all right, finally. In all of this submission, what's the point? Why do all these relationships exist? Right. They put God on display. They put God on display, and all things are about God, and all things are for God, and all things have to do with the glory of God. And so we have governmental relationships and we see, okay, there's a God who rules over a people. And we practice that and live that out as we submit to the governing authorities. God is our great shepherd. We are his sheep and we see that played out as the elders and pastors shepherd the people and the people submit to that leadership. Masters and servants. It's a picture of how, ultimately, we are all under the lordship of God and we are to serve him. That we are not our own. And it's played out day by day. Husbands and wives are to be a picture of Christ and the church. Parents and children, there be a picture of, first, the father to the son and then God as father to all of his adopted children. 
These institutions are bigger than you. They're bigger than me. They're bigger than making society work. They're bigger than, well, what, what practically makes sense for my family? No, they're there for the glory of God because all things are supposed to put him on display. So, with that, let us bring those things to bear as we come to wives, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. What does that mean? All right, well, think of how we follow the Lord. We follow the Lord uh, wholeheartedly. We follow his plan. He gives us a, a plan for our lives and for everything that we do, and we, we joyfully take it up as our calling and as our joy. We submit, and we, we don't just kind of listen to the words. We, we seek out the will of God. We've talked about that in Ephesians. And we seek out what he would desire and what he longs for. We image his heart and reflect it in all things. Now that, that is what wives you are to do to your husbands. To see his plans and to, to take them up as your own. To wholeheartedly agree with them. To be the, the body that is working out and is filling out the plans that the husband has. That is walking alongside and using your gifts to, to take up and walk in the direction that he leads. All right. But we do that, right? In the ways we just talked about. In submission to other higher authorities. With a willingness to disagree in a respectful and kind way. To bring those things to, to bear upon higher authorities who need to step in if they do. All right. So what does this look like? Uh, the inevitable question is, okay, what if he's asking me to do something I don't want to do? And something that isn't good? And something I don't like? What do you do with it? All right. Submission doesn't silence. It shapes how you speak about it. All right. So ask questions like, why, why are we doing this? And, and, and not in like, why are we doing this? But in a like, all right, why is this the plan? Can you, can you help me? Bring me along. You should facilitate talking so that your heart can be in it. Not just this begrudged, like, fine, I'll be dragged along, but I'm going to kick my feet and whine the whole time. Like, no, bring me along. I, I want to follow, but I, I'm not there. That's good. All right, it should be... Bringing scripture to the table and be like, hey, have you, have you considered this scripture? Is that playing a role? Because it's a higher authority than you, and I just want to make sure we're, we're bringing those things to bear. Or maybe it looks like, uh, you know, this is a big decision. Have you considered uh, seeking wisdom from the elders or from people who are godly and who might shape these things? It might look like, hey, can, can I have more time? Can we pray about this more? 
can we bring our hearts before God and see if there's any sin here because I'm, I'm struggling to get on board. All right, that's fair. Is that, is that undermining? No. Is that insulting? No. All right, so what does this not look like? This doesn't look like ridiculing your husband for his leadership. This doesn't look like running the other direction when he says to go, go here. It doesn't look like uh, challenging or correcting. or It's like, okay, what's seeking to have a heart of submission? Now, wives, why do you submit? Why do wives submit to their husbands? Verse 23, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. All right. That's super vague. It just is. It's, why is it because he's the head? And there's actually like, there's supposed to be a lot of freedom in that. Because what is it not saying? Well, first, what is it saying? It's just saying, that's his role. He is the head, that's his role. And it's just inherent in how it is. All right. Why is he not the head? He's not the head because he's just so much more capable. No. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that he's better or more competent or more valuable. It just says that's the role that he's been given. And it's as simple as that. He leads because he's been given leadership. He's the head because he's the head. And so you don't need to, please don't look in yourself like, what is inferior about me and that I'm not the head? It's, it's not about, it's not about that. It's just the role that the men have been given and the role that women have been given. And it's to be expressed in, in beautiful ways. Also, these roles were not given because of the fall. All right? It is not because of sin that these are realities. No, these, these roles were given before the fall. And were actually enjoyed and basked in before the fall. What did the fall do? The fall made it so that these roles were misused and abused. Or these roles were denied or hated and despised. The fall did not create this. We're actually seeking to redeem these roles from fallenness and sinfulness. That they may be restored to their glory. So, why? Why do they have this role? They just do. Verse 24, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. All right. How should the church submit to Christ? Perfectly. In everything. Joyfully. Like, humbly. With, with eagerness and thankfulness. How does the church submit to Christ? Half-heartedly, sinfully, resentfully, with whining spirits and longing for onions of former, former generations and, yeah, Exodus stuff. Um, sorry, that sounded really weird if you're not familiar with that passage. Um, all right, so 
What does this mean for us? All right, wives, you will only be able to submit to your husband if you can submit to the Lord. It's going to be out of your submission to the Lord that you submit to your husband. Because if you can't submit to the Lord, you definitely won't be able to submit to your husband. All right? And it's a revealing of our hearts, and it's a, it's a disclosure and a, a challenge. Like, hey, if, it can, if you can submit to your husband, like, can you submit to the Lord? And these two go hand in hand. They're parallels. They reflect one another. All right, husbands, before you criticize your wife for not submitting, you need to think about how well you submit to the Lord. All right, the Lord is perfect. He is all wise. He is all loving. He has never done anything selfishly or hurtful, and you still don't follow him. All right, your wife has to submit to you. And if she's having trouble with that, we, we should have grace. And we should get it. Yes? Yes and amen, husbands? Yeah, all right. All right, good. Uh, now, wives, to the extent that you live out this role, you are a beautiful picture of the gospel. You are a picture to everyone else of how the church should submit to Christ. And to the extent that you do that joyfully, you're calling everyone to just to submit to Christ joyfully. And as you submit with full trust, you encourage the whole of the church to submit to Christ with great faith. You are a picture to every believer. You are living out the gospel message. And if you, kids and single people, like, as you see this played out, it should be this joyful encouragement to see wives submitting to husbands and be reminded, yes, I am. I am the bride submitting to the bridegroom. And I want to do that just as wholeheartedly, just as joyfully. All right. Is this an insulting role? No, this is a beautiful and glorious role. It is a beautiful picture of the gospel. And it is a role that can be a great encouragement to the church. It can be a beautiful and wonderful thing. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, if that did not address things you want to talk about, please come talk to me. Yes? Okay. All right. Uh, husbands. Husbands. All right. You're on the block now. All right. Uh, less controversial, equally difficult. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Oh. Husbands, you are to love as Christ loved the church. Have you been listening in Ephesians? Did you listen to the prayer earlier? Right. The love of Christ is immeasurable. It is incomprehensible in its height and breadth and depth and width. 
It is a love that casts out all fear. It is a love that is willing to sacrifice and die. It is a love that is faithful even when in the midst of faithlessness. All right, that, husbands, that is the love that you are trying to manifest. That is the love with which you are to love your wife. A love that is willing to die, a love that is willing to take, that took wretched sinners like ourselves and presented them as beautiful brides without spot or blemish. A love that is, is beyond anything that we are capable of. And yet, husbands, that is, that is the charge that we've been given. And so I ask you, husbands, as you lead, is it characterized by that kind of love? As you are given this power, what is it used for? Is it used to manifest the immeasurable love of Christ towards your wife? And that's where if, if this headship is in any sense like a go-make-a-sandwich-for-me kind of headship, that is just anathema to everything that we're talking about. Totally contrary to anything gospel-related here. That is not what it is. Now, when, when this happens, like, it, should be, it should be saturated with love. And the fragrance of it, it should be like a bouquet of love, not this like wretched, reeking thing of, of power and manipulation and selfishness. All right, so uh, examples. Examples are good. All right, so uh, I'm married to Casey. What does this look like? All right, we, we talked about this, and we have this like kind of funny thing. Uh, all right, uh, I have a husband card. It's invisible, and I pull it out when it's time for submission. All right. <laughs> And I say, I'm playing the husband card. <laughs> and I pull it out and, and throw it down. All right. Uh, now, when do I play the husband card? Uh, most of the time, it has to do with meals. <laughs> All right. And it's usually that when we're sitting at a meal and the last piece of sushi is there on the table, I play the husband card and say, Casey, you have to eat it. And she resentfully eats that last piece of sushi. You know, like, like there's, there's one last shrimp, and we're all being too polite. Like, husband card, Casey, you eat it. And she goes, no, you have it. And I say, husband card, submit. And she does. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like, does that have any air of like, oh, poor Casey and her husband? Like, no, it doesn't have that. All right. Uh, that's mostly what it should feel like. And like, it doesn't get played that often. And if it's being played, it's usually played for that reason. All right. Now, sometimes it's not played for that reason. It looks a little different. Um, all right. So this last kind of season, uh, Casey was pregnant and had fallen and broken her wrist. All right. Really bad. It was snowing. And Casey comes to me and she's like, you know, I really think I should shovel the driveway. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, no, you're not going to do that. Please don't shovel the driveway. Like, yes, I'm in a meeting. I will do it afterwards. 
I come out of the meeting, and Casey is there in a parka, prego to high heaven, <laughs> broken arm, with her and Remy, like, trying to chip away at the ice. <laughs> and what do I do? Like, Casey, like, you were called to submit, and you did not. Like, get out of here. <laughs> like, you are not allowed out here, and, like, you are in rebellion against my, my love. All right. Was there, like, a real call to submission? Yes. But, like, it wasn't supposed to be this, like, oh, it's so bad. But, yeah, you still submit. And there was a real call to submission. All right. Uh, next example. Sometimes submission is more difficult. And the example that comes to mind, and it, it's probably the most common example of this, is, all right, some wives, you're lovely, and you just want to care for anything with a heartbeat. <laughs> all right, you'll take in a lizard if it's hurt. And, uh, all right, and you, you love having children. Foster children, adopted children, children. And a lot of the times, it becomes this question, okay, are we going to have more? Now, that decision is, ultimately, that's, that's in the husband's hand. And I've seen this done well, in which it's over months and months of time, the husband hears out his wife, they explore the scriptures together, they pray about it, uh, they weigh their finances, they weigh the, what's best for their children, they talk about like what's really on everyone's plate and would this be good, would it make sense, they get wise counsel, and then the husband makes a decision. And I've seen it where the wife does not get what she wants. Now, is it hard submission? Yes. But is it fragrant with love? Yes. And I think she should, like, she can see in that, like, he loved her in the midst of this. He's seeking to love her and doing what is best. All right, that's a, that's a good and beautiful picture of submission. It may be a hard one that shapes life and be different than what you want. But it's good. All right, that's what I want this to look like. All right. Now, husbands, uh, why, why should you do this? Why should you do this? Like, you have all this power. You could just have her submit. Why wouldn't you just use all that power for yourself? It tells us, verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his, mother and father, his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. All right, this is not what I'd expect. I would expect it to say, like, because Jesus did that for you, and it brings him glory, which it does. But it's going even deeper, and it's saying, like, spiritually, when you love your wife, you are loving yourself. And not in a happy wife, happy life kind of way. It's just like, no, this is, this is you. You are actually united spiritually to this other person such that 
Like, why would you want to mistreat your own body? Why would you not love your own body, your own flesh? You think of the golden rule and like love others as yourself. And that's, that's universally true. But it's even washing out the as and it's just saying, love your wife yourself. Because she is yourself. She's you. And do you see that like, he's saying that that's also real of the, the church too. Like there is no, there is no distinction, there's no, there's no division between Christ and his church. We are his body. He loves us because he loves himself and he, he's that committed to us. He's saying that commitment should then spill over husbands to your wives. Right? Husbands, have you been loving and cherishing and nourishing your wife, your own body, seeking to serve and sacrifice for her, seeking to put her above yourself, to treat her as yourself, she is yourself. We think of Jesus, and we've talked a lot about how Jesus, his, our glory is his glory. Our joy is his joy. That as, as we are lifted up, he is lifted up with us, that these, these go together. It's that same relationship. The happiness of your wife is your happiness. The holiness of your wife is your holiness. Nothing testifies to your glory than to have a wife who, who like, can speak of your great love for her. That is as honorable a calling as I can think of. And thank the Lord that he is gracious with us. But let us seek to, to know the love of Christ that we may give it to our wives. Amen? Husbands, do, do you know the love of Christ? Do you know the, the lavish love of Christ? Do you know, like, the, the delight that he has in you? Do you know that he sees you as, as sons who are as perfect as, as Christ? And he longs to, like, pour out his kindness upon you and build you up and honor you in and through Christ, a love that, that passes over sin and, and sees no wrong, that delivers us from sin as from east as from the west. Do you know that love? That is going to be the only thing that sustains us as we seek to love our wives. That we would know and we believe and we live under the love of Christ that we would first be good bridegrooms. Or sorry, good brides. That's a hard word. Uh, we learn to submit to that kind of love. And then we'll be good leaders in calling our wives to submit to the same. Verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right, this is the last, last thing, and it might be the most important. I have spoke in terms of ideal. 
I have assumed that husbands you want to love as Christ loves and wives that you want to submit. But the reality is some of you are in marriages that that is not the case. That wives, you are married to husbands who do not want to love, who do not know the love of Christ, and who do not show it. Husbands, some of you live with wives who do not want to respect, who do not want to honor, and who do not want to be led. And the question is, then what do you do? Then what do you do? And I'll tell you the the hard but beautiful reality, you still have the same role. Your role does not change. Your role is your role. Let each of you love his wife as himself, but the wife see that she respects her husband. And in that role, it is a more beautiful picture of the gospel than it ever could have been. To the wife, who loves her husband, who is selfish, and who uses his power to love himself and not you. All right, what is that a picture of? Everyone who sees that kind of submission will see that that wife is submitted to an invisible husband, to her real husband, to Jesus Christ. And that if there's any submission there, it's not because of the greatness of this man. It's because of the greatness of her Savior. And as she submits to her husband who is not worthy of it, she is submitting to the Savior who is worthy of it. And what a beautiful picture of the gospel that the world would see and say, like, there is something different about this woman. She is submitting for a totally different reason. It's not even for her benefit. It must be for the glory of Christ. That, that is a powerful encouragement. That is a testament to the work of the Holy Spirit. That is, that is eternally valuable. And in the wedding supper of the Lamb, when she meets her Savior, her bridegroom, it will be worth it. And she'll receive all the glory that is due her life of, of beautiful submission. Husbands, some of you will endure dishonor and disrespect, mocking for the trying to lead. What is your role? Your role is to love. Like Hosea loved Gomer. Like, like God loves a stiff-necked people. You become a picture of Jesus, not just the picture of Jesus to love the unlovely, to the lovely and the wonderful, but to, to love sinners and to love his enemies and to love those who are completely unlovable. And in doing that, people are going to see that you are connected to a supernatural love that does not make any sense, that you are loving your Savior. Your role is more beautiful than it would have been. It is more powerful. It is more supernatural. It is otherworldly. And it will only make sense in the world to come.
Husbands and wives, will you take up these roles? May we encourage the unmarried and the unwed among us. May we be a beautiful picture of the gospel. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you've given us roles that are beyond us, and we thank you for the beautiful Savior and the gospel that we are called to, to image. We confess that we do not do this well. Wives uh, confess that they, they do not submit well. None of us submit, ultimately, perfectly as you call us to. We do not love as you love us. And Father, we thank you for Jesus we thank you that you wash away our sins. We thank you that you have presented us in splendor and in majesty, not because we are free from sin, but because you have freed us from it. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to, to live new lives, to walk in the spirit, to put off the old man and put on the new, and to be images of the glorious gospel by which we have been saved, we pray in Christ's name.